Hi, Sarah here. I'm one of the co-hosts of Female Founders Weekly, and this episode is sponsored by my company, Hostel Pass. Hostel Pass is a digital discount card for the best of European travel, especially the best hostels. I started this company after my own travels, where I was on a really tight budget, which meant I ended up in some pretty horrible accommodation situations. That's why I spent the next six years finding and partnering with the best hostels all across Europe, the kinds of places that travelers and their parents would feel good about. We've now got hundreds of hostels on our platform and we've managed to secure exclusive discounts and bonuses like free welcome drink, late checkout, or free breakfast at every single hostel. We don't just have hostels on Hostel Pass. You can also find discounts on museums, walking tours, river cruises, food tours, e-sims, and so much more. If you're looking to join the thousands of travelers using Hostel Pass to save big on their trip, use code FFW at checkout to take 20% off your first year of membership. Check us out at hostelpass.co. That's H-O-S-T-E-L-P-A-S-S dot C-O. And code FFW for 20% off at checkout. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Alex here. On today's episode, we are speaking to Caroline Boardman and Joanna Newell. Both Caroline and Joanna have been chartered accountants for more than a decade and have experience working with larger companies before setting up their own accountancy businesses themselves. They now both work with a huge range of business sizes, but we're speaking to them today because they have expertise in that beginning stage of starting your company, how to get yourself incorporated and to get yourself going with accounting. Both Caroline and Joanna are personally passionate about making the accounting side of your business super easy to understand and accessible for all so that we can all get back to focusing on what we do best, which is running the rest of our business. It's really easy to get lost in the amount of information that's out there. So we think today's episode is really important to listen to. There'll be some myth busting, how to's along the way, and generally everything you need to get started. I hope you enjoy it. Joanna and Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, accounting, not traditionally sexy, um, but extremely important and can make or break some of the first years of your business. So I want to be the voice of a lot of people who are starting a company or starting selling something. And a lot of the questions I think people feel too embarrassed to ask. So I'm going to ask them. So, Joanna... I am thinking of starting to sell something. Am I a sole trader or a limited company? What's the difference? It's a good question. And it's one to consider right from the start because it can get complicated if you don't pick one. With a sole trader, sort of you are the business. So you're an individual, you're selling stuff or you're providing services and you're making money. You and the business are kind of the same thing. The money that the business makes, uh, you get taxed on it personally. And um, you can trade under your own name, but you're a combined function, as it were. Um, with a limited company, it has its own separate legal status. The money that is earned through the business belongs to the business. It gets taxed as a business and you have that level of legal separation. So you can't be sued personally if you have a limited company. So you have to sort of draw out money personally. Okay, great. So once I've decided that, Caroline... Are there any big accounting differences between the two? Yeah. As a sole trader, the accounts are prepared and you do your self-assessment tax return. 
there's lots more to consider as a limited company. You then have to pay corporation tax on the profits of your company accounts. You'll either have been paid um, salary and dividends usually through the company. So that needs to go on a self-assessment for your personal income. And there's also generally PAYE because you will be paying yourself a salary monthly, which needs to be recorded. It's good to speak to an accountant from the start to decide which works better for you because I've seen people do one or the other and then think actually if I'd have considered this at the beginning I would have gone the other way it's harder to undo exactly yeah. decision so best to seek a bit of advice to start with that's great this all sounds like quite a lot of work <laughs> you're talking about PAYE self-assessment tax returns that kind of stuff I just wanted to um, you know sell sell my candles or sell my fashion designs why do I need all of this I mean I've already got a bank account I can buy a cheap card reader I can take payments why do I need to do any of this so HMRC have um, a limit which is a thousand pounds a sort of a trading limit I think they call it um so if you're if you're earning money just doing little bits and bobs on the side and you're earning less than a thousand pounds that's fine you can just just like you said, just use your own bank and sort yourself out. Um, if you're earning more than a thousand pounds, then you need to record it properly. You need to declare it to HMRC, and then obviously you have to pay tax on it. Is that one thousand pounds per year, or is that one thousand pounds from your business ever? Yeah, per tax year. Okay, but anything more than a thousand pounds, if you are not registering as a sole trader or as a limited company, if you are not doing the appropriate filing you know, it's the same as not paying your own personal taxes. It's something you are legally obliged to do. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. What are some common examples of a sole trader? So anyone can be a sole trader. You could start any business and just decide that you're not going to go onto company's house and set up a limited company. You are just going to trade as a sole trader. A lot of people do do this because I think they just fall into it, which is actually fine because you don't have to register as a sole trader on the day you start, whereas as a limited company, you have got an incorporation date. The rules for sole traders are that you have to register with HMRC on the 5th of October in the second year of running your business. So you could just merrily be going along and not do any registration and then you have to register. Oh, just, wow. Yeah, just in, and not many people know that. It's like one of the time HMRC secrets that they like to keep. I don't know. <laughs> um, so that 5th of October deadline is set to give you time to file by the filing deadline of the 31st of January. So I'm the business. I'm thinking um, maybe I'm a painter or I just go around to people's houses and do bra fittings, that sort of thing. It is just me. That would be a sole trader. Yeah. Whereas if you're selling a product, can you still be a sole trader or do you have to be a limited company at that point? You can still be a sole trader. You can be a sole trader or limited company, whatever business you're doing. Um, another common misconception is that sole traders are small businesses as well but you can you can register for VAT as a sole trader you can get up to 85,000 turnover and um, still be a sole trader some people just prefer it for the simplicity right so I have um, figured out if I'm a sole trader or a limited company I've got some initial advice and I know there are certain things that I need to be doing in my first year of business. Um, the first thing I'm going to start thinking about is probably 
a bank account to separate my finances and to track these things. In the last sort of 10 years, we've seen a massive boom in startup banks um, and options that people never had before. Um, Caroline, I'm wondering if there's something I should specifically be thinking about if I'm a sole trader. So I'm glad that you are thinking about separate banks because not everyone does. That's my number one tip to all new businesses, whatever you want to call yourself, sole trader, working for yourself, whatever, um, is to keep your business and personal finances separate. It's easier for everyone. It's easier for you. It's easier for your accountant if you get one. It's easier if you have a HMRC and tax investigation. They only need to look at your business banking. So at the moment, the the choice of the two, whether to go to, with the high street bank or a um, banking app like Starling or Metal or I think Tide and Monzo you mentioned, um, the they're generally free, the app-based ones, whereas there are charges on the high street banks. But it's a personal choice, really. But the, the app-based banks, they actually are called challenger banks. So they've come along to challenge the old banking system. And... Joanna, is there anything in my first year of business I'm not going to be able to do if I go with a Starling Bank? Can I make international payments? Um, can I receive revenue in the same way? Um, you know, it might be that I graduate to a high street bank, but is an app-based bank fine to get started with because it's free? I think my only advice when looking at the app ones is to make sure they're, they're regulated. Not all of them are. And that's where you get this um, guarantee from the government that if the bank went under, you would get um, your money back up to a certain level. So I would just advise people to check. Starling is regulated. I can't remember off the top of my head which ones are and aren't. So definitely check with some of these new ones. Okay, so um, I figured out my banking situation. I've registered as a sole trader or limited company. I've got my bank account. What do I need to start doing now? Um, I've obviously got my bank account to start tracking my money and my spending. I'm thinking about buying maybe materials for my goods or hiring people to help me with my business. Do I need to keep track of those? And is that as easy as just like keeping a box full of my receipts? Yeah. So my advice now to all businesses starting out is to get accounting software from the start. Um, there's various options. And I think Joanna and I use different ones, but you can you can get it for free. So free agent can be a free, you can get a free license with certain banks with NatWest RBS or Metal, which is a challenger bank. It's just the best way to record everything. So you can link it up to your bank, uh, any software, you can link it up to your bank. So if you're using a business bank account and all of your income and expenses are going through that, that will link through to the accounting software. If you explain your transactions in the correct way it will create your profit and loss account and balance sheet and even feed through to a tax return so it does a lot for you if you are using it properly and if you've had training um, on it so I would say use accounting software it'll save you time which every small business owner needs I think <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah for sure um Joanna if you're a limited company is this a requirement I mean I'm thinking limited company versus sole trade I'm gonna maybe be doing like annual re tax returns and things like that so um 
do I need to keep track of every expense? You definitely do need to keep track of every expense. At the moment, it's not a requirement for limited companies to use accounting software. I still have a couple that use Excel. The main reason I think people use Excel is because it's free, they're familiar with it. And sometimes it just feels a bit scary, I think, going on to an accounting system. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Caroline said, I totally agree. It saves a lot of time. So I would recommend them. Um, But people who who keep their um, accounts on Excel, they have to log them individually then. And the main problem we get is then it doesn't agree to the bank. So they haven't captured all of their bank transactions. Whereas, like Caroline said, an accounting system does because it pulls pulls the transactions in direct from your bank with a, a live feed. But it's not a requirement at the moment because with a limited company, you have to do annual filings. So that time in between, yep, people can faff around with their Excel spreadsheets if they really want. But um, as Caroline said, we're definitely um, cheering for accounting system right from the start because that would make our lives easier as accountants and it does yeah. save the time. And lots of them have bank feeds. I know mine does. So mm. it can just pull directly um, just in case you miss anything or forget forget an expense. So that's really handy, especially when you're a, a founder and you're running around with a million things in your head um, and you forget that actually, um, you know, you spent £3.50 in the post office. So I, I'm also chairing for accounting software. I guess the next thing that I would be thinking about and something that people always talk about and I still get asked is, are you registered for VAT? The whole VAT debate, when do I need to? Why do I need to? Um, and I think a lot of people get it wrong and they end up wasting a lot of time either filing or trying to undo it because they weren't sure to begin with what they should be doing. So let's make this super clear for everyone. Joanna, if I'm a limited company, do I need to register for VAT? Not from the start, no, but that's a common misconception. I think because being a limited company feels like quite an official thing. Uh, so I've had a few people mm-hmm. assume you have to be VAT registered from the start, limited company, which you don't. Um, the limit for f- registering for VAT is when your turnover gets to £85,000 annually. So if you're making less than £85,000 a year through anything from services, selling products, a combination of the two, anything, as long as it stays under £85,000, you don't need to register for VAT. Um, once it gets over that amount, you do. Um, okay. And when you're under that limit, you can choose to register for VAT. Again, there's quite a lot of complicated reasons why you might want to, but you can so voluntarily register if the way your business is set up, it suits you to. But that's a choice. Once you get over £85,000, there's no choice. You have to do it. Okay. Caroline, is it different for sole traders? It's the same, the 85,000 threshold. Um, I would say, again, speak to an accountant if you are thinking that you might want to register voluntarily because there are reasons, like Joanna said, that you might want to. It might be beneficial. And I just want to um, make the point of the 85,000. So it's on a rolling 12-month period. So if if you reach 85,000 at any point, so you've got to track it. You've got to, if your if your turnover is around eighty, you've got to keep track of it. It's not after the tax year you'd submit your tax return and say, "Oh, I earned ninety thousand that year. I'll register for VAT now." If that was the case, you'd have to go back and see when you reached that threshold. So I think that's right. the mess that people sometimes get into. And it's a threshold, right? It's not like your tax-free allowance. As soon as you hit 85, you have to end up registering for VAT and paying VAT on everything. It's just almost like a tipping point. 
It's 85,000 turnover, yeah. So I recommend to my clients that when they, uh, we always keep um, track of where they're up to reaching the 85,000. And I recommend to them when they do reach the VAT threshold, they add 20% onto their prices. There's a lot of um, conversation about, well, I'm going to take the hit on that 20% and I'm going to have to pay over 20% extra to HMRC. If you're, turnover is 85,000. My opinion and my advice is that you can add that 20% on. You mentioned there are some reasons you might want to register for VAT before you hit that threshold. Um, What are those reasons? Just a couple of them. So I have one client, for example, who she's a consultant and she works for uh, really big organizations. So those big organizations will also be VAT registered because normally when you VAT register, as Caroline said, you have to make a choice. You either you basically have to put your price up by 20% or you take a hit uh, yourself. If your customers are VAT registered, then that extra 20% doesn't matter to them because they will claim it back as their VAT on their purchases. If you're selling to small consumers who are not VAT registered, then that's an issue for you. Um, But this client um, works for big organizations. So to them, it doesn't matter if she's VAT registered or not. So it doesn't affect her her client customer relationships and prices. And it means she can claim the VAT back on all of her costs. Mm. So for her, it worked and she uh, voluntarily registered early. So we're talking about claiming back and adding on. I have to ask, there seems to be two sides to it with this VAT thing. Joanna, what does being VAT registered mean from the business's perspective and the price's perspective. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. There are two sides to it. So um, when you VAT register, you have to add VAT onto your your sales, whether that's product sales, services. So if somebody, like you referred to earlier, bra fitting, you say, oh, I'm going to charge you 100 quid. I'll come around to your house and fit your bra for you. Lovely. Happy days. If you're then VAT registered, you have to charge 20% VAT. So then you have to say to your customers, oh, I'm back registered now. So actually that bar fitting is going to cost you £120. Um, and that okay. extra 20%, you have to then pay over to HMRC. That is VAT on your sales. Um, but then you, you as a business can also claim VAT back on your costs. So if you buy something from big businesses that charge VAT, like Amazon, for example, um, all the stuff you buy from Amazon, you know, a new printer, ink, uh, new laptop, that will have 20% VAT on. So you can claim that VAT back on. So you actually then only pay the net difference to HMRC. There's a total amount on your sales. So like we said, 20 quid extra on the bar fitting and however much um, was on your costs. So normally there's a sort of a small bit in the middle that gets paid over to HMRC. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so we've sorted my VAT issue. If I hit 85,000, I have to start giving 20% of my revenue to the government, but I also get to claim back VAT on anything I buy, my cost of goods, my posting, my my printer, my ink, my pens, anything that's business related. So I've got my business bank account and I'm tracking my purchases. A lot of people get confused between the term kind of monthly bookkeeping and quarterly returns and annual filings there seems to be like a lot of different things um sort of swimming around and that you can read about it's really easy to get lost I might be signed up with zero and tracking everything but how do I know what I need to be filing what Joanna can you give me a kind of breakdown of like the key things if I'm a limited company that I need to keep an eye on you know do I even need to do monthly bookkeeping 
So as a limited company, your um, sort of requirements to file are annually. So every year you have to file accounts to company's house and a corporation tax return. Um, so yes, while I think you're right, there's a very common term, that sort of monthly bookkeeping. To be honest, if you're a limited company, you don't have to do it monthly. Um, this probably makes me and Caroline cringe a bit saying this, but you know, you could leave it if you want to. <laughs> Please don't. But, I appreciate um, your honesty. <laughs> you know, technically, yes, you have annual filings. So if if you're that kind of person that likes to leave it all to the last minute, then yeah, you could just sit there and post yeah. a year's worth of transactions all in one go. Um, but so I think um, maybe it's accountants that came up with the monthly accounting phrase just to keep people on top mm-hmm. of it. Right. So monthly bookkeeping is really just to keep you on top of things, but your only obligation is to file annually. And is that is that my full company accounts that I have to file with? Is it HMRC? Is it company's house? Which one? Well, the accounts go to company's house and the corporation tax return goes to HMRC. Um, it's once a year and the deadline is nine months after your year end. Um, and obviously being a limited okay. company, um, your um, year end depends on when you set it up. So they can all be different. Each each company will have its own one. Um, so nine months after whenever your year end is, that's your, your deadline. Um, and then the only other thing you have to do as a limited company is file a confirmation statement every year to company's house. That's just like an annual Ooh, return, that? just saying, sort of just confirming, you know, um, address, shareholders, directors, if you haven't changed anything in the year then you just go tick 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 all done um and that i think is annually on i think it's the anniversary of your incorporation um okay so, so there's a few dates it. flying around here and caroline you mentioned 31st of january 5th of october um when i'm starting out i'm setting up all these things and i'm getting like my brochure from my bank and all this stuff i might file it away but are there some really key dates i need to be jotting down or even like putting in my diary so that i remember to either get in contact with someone or to be do doing my returns so as a sole trader the tax year is the 6th of April to the 5th of April the following year and then you need to file your self-assessment tax returns you don't need to file any accounts as a sole trader it's just your self-assessment tax return that you file with HMRC by the 31st of January the following year so as a sole trader that's the only filing deadline and payment deadline that you need to know it's your normal personal tax year and you've Mm -hmm. got to get those in by the 31st of January the following year yeah so for the tax year 2021-22 you need to file your tax return by the 31st of January 2023 so that's what we're working on now for all of our clients um and as a sole trader, it's quite easy to remember that deadline. Like I said, it is repeated on the radio constantly in January. But my advice is always, if you have a limited company, get an accountant because there are a lot of dates. Okay. Joanna, what's the long list for limited companies? Um, Well, we just obviously talked about that main annual one. Um, Obviously, it gets more complicated if you have more going on in your company. So if, like we said, if you're VAT registered, you have to do quarterly filings then. Um, If you run payroll, for example, you then have to have monthly um, sort of payroll submissions. So to be honest, the the basic one is just the annual ones. So um, the nine months after your year end is the main one. And then you also need to be aware of, as Caroline said, the self-assessment one. So if 
So that obviously sorts your company out. But if you've taken money out of the company, then you need to declare that to HMRC. So you also need to file a personal self-assessment, um, like Caroline's just said. So I've started a limited company, which I have, and um, I own the majority of the company. I'm the director of the company. I, as Alex Plothero, need to do my own self-assessment for my own income it might be earnings from my company it might be from elsewhere but I still need to do my personal tax return and then the company itself is only obliged to file annually it also needs to do a confirmation statement and I need to be jotting down that date of incorporation because actually quite a lot is is based around that I think mine's a really random day it's like the 17th of October you know it's one of those dates which you thought I, I registered as a limited company on company's house way back when I was starting and just completely forgot about it I was getting on with all the exciting stuff like making my bras um and actually I had to like go back in and find that because I actually didn't realize how important that date was because that's what my annual returns are based on so it's getting more complicated now you've just mentioned like okay so I now if I'm registered for VAT I've got to do it quarterly and then if I'm doing PAYE I have to do payroll monthly you know it is complicated and there are you've got to be registered on company's house you've got to have an hmrc portal account um i might be tracking things initially with my accounting software but at what point do i kind of graduate out of that um what point do i really need to get an accountant i would always say when when if you're a limited company get an accountant speak to an accountant speak to a few accountants and find one that's right for you really important you need to trust them because they are going to help you remember all these dates and keep on top of everything. Um, and you need to be able to ask them questions and not feel like you're asking a stupid mm. question because accountants know all the answers to these questions because mm. we've done all the training, we've been, we're doing it every day. People running businesses don't necessarily know all the answers why would they I wouldn't know the first thing about bra fitting so I would yeah. need to ask you questions about that whereas you'd ask me accounting questions um when you say right for you what do you mean by that just someone you've got rapport with or yeah someone definitely who, like has expertise in your niche so there are niche accountants but I would say somebody I, I think the most important thing is to have a good relationship with them and feel comfortable be able to approach them with questions um and trust them i would also say um if finances just aren't your thing if you don't like them get an accountant from the start whether you're a sole trader or a limited company and if you don't have time to do it so a lot of people when they first start out if they do like finances and they love they love to keep on trap on top of their own <laughs> Um, business finances and they feel comfortable with it then they yeah go ahead do it start out but then when you when your time is better spent running your yeah. business then get an accountant then absolutely there's no shame in just saying this is not something I want to learn anything about or or know what to do I'm just going to outsource it um, exactly. you know ultimately you guys know it's um, it's serious. Um, it's a legal obligation yeah. and um, getting it wrong can unfortunately have consequences. So um, is that kind of boring part of business? Not to just straight up call accounting boring, but it, when you're starting, you're so excited by what you're selling, speaking to customers, that side of things. Um, 
you know, thinking about tracking your monthly strategy or doing your accounts is not something you want to spend time on. Um, But unfortunately, it's so, so important. So if you just want to outsource it, no shame at all. Yes, I totally agree. Getting an accountant falls into kind of a want and a need camp. There are some some things you do need an accountant for, like Caroline said, limited company findings. But if you just want one, if you, like you said, if you don't want to be doing your accounts, then just pay an accountant right from the start. I think some people feel like maybe you have to get to a threshold um, before you before you need one, but that's not true. If you don't want to do it, if it scares you, then just get an accountant right from the start. Other people like doing it and actually they want to keep it themselves. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a total, a lot of it is just personal choice. On the topic of personal choice and picking your accountants, um, I am curious if you two have any input on what are the right types of questions to be asking your accountant? Is there anything that if an accountant didn't know the answer, that's a red flag? Or if they did, then that's a really good sign. You can ask about qualifications, obviously. Um, most accountants who are practicing are qualified, but you might be surprised to hear that you don't have to be. <laughs> so Sarah, what? you or Alex could set up as an accountant tomorrow and just start really? selling services. You don't have to be, you don't have to be qualified to do it so you can check qualifications that's always a good thing none of us know everything about accounting so if you have certain things that you want to know about your taxes go and ask those questions and if somebody does can't answer them then maybe they're not right for you um the other thing I would say is choose the the um the contact method that suits you. So if you want to email, if you prefer email or you prefer phone calls or you prefer video calls, go with that and see which accountant responds in the way you want them to as well. Cause that's for the relationship going forward. That'll work well. Yeah, absolutely. So we've covered um, a really high line. This is basically just um, for someone who is really just starting out and thinking about what they need to do as those first initial steps. I feel like we have covered a lot. We haven't got too technical. There is so much information out there online. And I think the resounding um, advice is go and speak to an accountant if you do want some sort of technical um, expertise or advice or have any further questions. Um, But we just wanted to provide a really nice overview for a lot of people um, who are sort of swimming in all of these accounting questions. So we're going to end with um, just some bite-sized information for people to take away. What are your kind of common errors, common misconceptions that people have, those kind of comments that people make and you roll your eyes and think, oh my god, I feel like I spend all day myth-busting. Caroline, what's the first things that come to mind? So the first one is always have your business and personal finances separate so many people come to me and they've just mixed it all up or they've got four different personal bank accounts that they are getting income from and spending from and it's hard to unravel um sign up for software and get training on it so I've seen various errors from people who haven't actually had any training on that and I'm gonna my last one my third one is going to be um sole trader based so I've seen this a lot in the last few months actually if you're a sole trader the income that you take out of the business is drawings it's not a salary so it's not an expense on the business that's a common a common uh, mistake you take it out and it's drawings it comes out after profit got it okay thank you joanna um i think similar topic on on tax actually i I think a lot of 
I see a lot of people, particularly in their first year, maybe sort of forgetting that you have to pay corporation tax. Um, <laughs> you have to pay corporation tax. You have a long time to pay it, obviously. You've got nine months after your year rent, but you have to pay it in cash out your bank account. I have people say to me things like, oh, but I thought tax just came out of your profits. Well, it, it does, but you actually have to have cash in your bank account to pay your tax bill. So if you've had a brilliant year and made loads of money, you need to have cash in the bank account to pay that tax bill. People seem to forget that sort of hard and fast <laughs> rule. Um, and uh, I see a lot of um, queries around VAT. We talked about it earlier, about how some people think you have to be VAT registered right from the start. And I've had a couple of people register for VAT by mistake. Um, so they're obviously going through the process of setting up a limited company on company's house and have clearly ticked the wrong box. And I've had a couple and sort of not even know they're VAT registered either. So... Um, (laughs) great well thank you guys so much um we will uh also leave your details so if anyone wants to get in touch with you or wants accounting services or advice um they can and thank you so much for your time today thank you thank you thank you both that was brilliant thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that episode of female founders weekly Female Founders Weekly was created by myself, Sarah Weingust, the founder of Hostel Pass, and Alex Plethero, founder of Freedom Underwear. You can find us on Instagram at Female Founders Weekly, on TikTok at Female Founders Weekly, and with any questions, you can email us at femalefoundersweekly at gmail.com. Thanks for joining. Bye.